a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's factually incorrect, or even if you just disagree with us, we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know. Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today, we're going to be talking about a bit of an older AI story, which is the story of AlphaGo, which is an AI program built by DeepMind, beating the world champion Go player in 2016. And the story is, like I mentioned, is kind of older, but I think it's very relevant to the path that we predict AI will take in the future and our relationship to AI as humans. When, when did this happen? So the, the first match against a human uh, champion Go player was in 2015. And that was against Fan Hui, who was the, the European champion. And then the, the same program beat the, the world champion, Lee Seidel, in uh, 2016. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember the headlines coming out about, oh, someone beat the someone at Go. And I remember not being especially riveted by, at the time by the headlines. It seemed kind of uh, inevitable to me at the time. I was like, yeah, I mean, they beat chess and now they're doing Go. It's like, yeah, I mean, what, what else did you expect <laughs> yeah. to happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the crazy thing about this was that it came at least a decade before anyone thought it was possible. And it was the kind of thing where some people thought uh, an AI could never beat a human at Go because it requires too much intuition and there's mm. way too many possible moves, way more than way more than chess for any yeah. for any particular position, right? Yeah, that, that, was, that was so interesting to me, though, about like how many people expected the human expected Lisa at all to win against AlphaGo. It was like in the documentary, they said it was like 99% or more. Yeah. Uh, which is so wild to me because uh, as someone growing up with a very intimate uh, relationship with computers and uh, some exposure to AI and, you know, just it accomplishing thing after thing that people have said that no computer could ever do. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, it seems like... Uh, I experienced it from a very different perspective than most people in the in the Go world. Interesting. Could you could you say more about that? Well, just that they seemed to think it was an inevitable that the human would win, mm -hmm. and you know, in contrast, it seemed to me an inevitable that the AI could do this. I mean, like going back, I mean, even remembering my experience as a kid playing like little flash games, spending literal days on end uh i don't know how many countless hours i've logged in stupid little flash games that uh like you know test your reflexes and stuff but just like completely pointless um mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, i remember this one game called end game where you're this little ninja and you jump around in a little gray square it was pretty fun mm -hmm. um avoiding like there's uh things that shoot at you and uh there's like pretty simple algorithms that describe the the tracing of the of the enemies as they're trying to attack you mm -hmm. and um it was it was a pretty cool game because it the movement was organic enough that it felt to me that on the more challenging levels the the, the times where like i felt like i was getting pretty far and then as I consolidated my movements down, you know, like got got a, a habit, like a, a path habit of how, how to get through the level, um, 
there would be times when the AI was, or not the AI, but like the, the, the program seemed to be more and more accurate. Like, and I was, uh, convincing myself that the game itself was programmed with AI so that it would get better and learn from my mistakes. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of doubt that something that advanced would be built into like a simple flash game, but that, that is, that is, <laughs> that is very much how things like, uh, like AlphaGo work, I think. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not, I'm not sure but, actually if it learns from each defeat, I actually don't know that, but, um, the, the way it does work is, is, uh, you can get to kind of the technical details or at least an overview of the overview of them now. So it kind of has two different mechanisms of, of learning and one is to be trained on expert games. So it just kind of observes all the moves in a in a game between experts and and tries to figure out what the what the most probable moves are given a certain position. And so that would be an example of supervised learning, right? Because it's being told what what the right what the right choices are, and it's just trying to right. trying to build up the the rules and the weights in the neural network to to produce those outcomes. And then the other side of it is playing against itself, where it is learning from every move and improving based on that. Totally, yeah. And so like. As, as a kid, I never had uh, any sense that that was an un unreasonable expectation to have in even something as simple as a little flash game. Mm -hmm. So then when the uh, AlphaGo comes along, it just seemed like a natural extension of, of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've become so numbed to, to technological pro progress. It's like, oh yeah, they solved protein folding. On to the next thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's it was really interesting how how you're right. Basically, everyone in the Go world was g gave the program no chance of of beating Lee Siddle, who's the 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 world champion. And then it just completely, I mean, it, it beat him four to one. He won he won one of the games out of the the match of five. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was still like a huge a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's 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 fascinating that there was such a juncture at the moment that they had the 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 competition that there was even any wiggle room one way or the other you know that it wasn't 5-0 in one direction or the other mm -hmm. that this ai that they created was still enough within the range of humanity that a human was able to beat it at least once mm -hmm. yeah uh cuz as they explained in this documentary which we'll we'll link to uh it, it does have weaknesses, right? It can be kind of become diluted about how well it's doing or, you know, what, what, what the best thing to do is. And at that mm. point it kind of becomes decoupled from reality a little, a little bit and, and just kind of goes down a, another, another path. Right. Yeah, definitely. And this is, this yeah, is something think... that, that I think happens with AI a lot, like in self-driving cars, they'll make, you know, on the whole, they're, they're, they're they could be a lot safer than human drivers, but they make mistakes that no human driver would ever make. Right. That, that could be really, totally. really deadly. So it's, yeah, kind of, kind of a common theme. Yeah. Which is why it's generally accepted. I think at the moment that artificial intelligence working together with humans is going to consistently outperform artificial intelligence on its own. Yeah. For now. For now. Yeah. <laughs> This ties into one of the themes of the documentary, I think, that uh, they talk about how artificial intelligence, you know, it's, it's like it seems like this was this big match, uh, humans versus machines, you know, humanity versus not. But they make the point that really the artificial intelligence was and is of humanity. It is it is in some sense 
like the most concentrated form of humanity yeah yeah i thought i thought that was a really good point because it it, yeah people have this is something else they talk about we have this anthropomorphized version of ai in our heads where it's this big scary terminator thing but Mm -hmm. yeah the reality is 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 this was created by humans and it is kind of a magnification of the intelligence of a a large group of humans right and so and so this this program beating the world champion in go is a human achievement yeah and it's, absolutely and it's pushing the game to the next level and and teaching teaching us things about the game of go itself mm-hmm. yeah so that uh that gets into move 37 right mm-hmm. which was uh that, that's me what are some of the headlines you've heard about that like it's one of the most uh pivotal moves in all of go history that kind of thing yeah so, so this was in the second game and i don't really know enough about go to <laughs> comment on why it was so unprecedented but the i think the, the the bottom line was that the the so this was a move made by by alpha go the the program and for every for every move it makes it gives a probability that a human player would make that move right yeah and for this particular move it said that a human player would have a one in 10,000 chance of making that move. So it was like yeah. very, very low probability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it seems almost as if the program itself has not only captured like all of this vast da- store of data about like games and human tactics and all that for the game, but also has maybe even captured the essence of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, I think I think you can see in in the match when the the you know AlphaGo makes that move, Lisa Doll is like visibly confused. It's just like you know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, puts his head in his hands. Yeah. And he's like rubbing yeah. his ha- hands through his uh, hair and stuff. Yeah, maybe we should just explain what Go is. Doesn't <laughs> know what Go is. Gee, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll link to the documentary, but um, that this is the, this is the thing it's it's such a beautiful game it's like it's like 3000 years old right it originates in china and it's a 19 by 19 board and two players one puts down black stones one puts down white stones and the goal is just to capture as much territory as you can by surrounding it with your stones and kind of blocking your opponent and that's the whole game yeah elegant in its simplicity yeah right yeah like way way simpler than chess in terms of you know kinds of kinds of pieces i guess it's a it's a bigger board but the yeah the number of possible moves is just so much greater than in than in chess like orders of magnitude greater right right yeah and so people will talk about how to be a great go player you really need to feel in intuitively what the best move is it's not something that you can reason out with your uh with your what your default mode network (laughs) yeah yeah it's the kind of the game the kind of game where you know you have a really high level player and you ask them why they made a move and a lot of times they'll be like i don't know it felt felt right you know and (laughs) and it's even hard for them to tell who's winning at any point right Mm -hmm. it's 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 unclear yeah makes for an exciting game yeah i've uh played a handful of games ago it's i i mean it's rare enough that i've played that i probably am would need to brush up on the exact rules again to play it but um it's yeah i remember that about it like feeling like i'm winning and maybe starting to get arrogant and then all of a sudden oh i'm super lost <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever played it i played othello as a kid which is a lot simpler but kind of a similar similar idea did you, did you ever play that no what is that um 
it's like it's like a much smaller board and I believe in go when you surround so if you surround an opponent's stones you just take them away and go right mm. but in Othello when you surround someone else's uh pieces you you like flip them over and because it's the the opposite color um, oh so similar idea but much smaller board and uh yeah a lot a lot I, I think it might just be like an eight by eight board or something it's not, mm. not quite as crazy sounds cool but, I know you can play go in smaller boards as well if you want a quicker game yeah so yeah, one of the one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this is that it brings up a lot of questions about what the nature of intuition is and how we would uh, confer that to to AI programs that that we make, because uh, intuition seems like such a slippery, intrinsically human quality, right? It's 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 yeah. intrinsically not explainable. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's that's like part of what defines it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know we did that whole episode with Terence, uh, not with uh, yeah about Terence McKenna, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and his uh, understanding of intuition mm-hmm. and you know isn't it kind of just like an immediate spontaneous understanding that didn't necessarily arise from constituent parts that you're conscious of, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, you know again it's, it's so cool to see how all our our disparate themes tie together because that instantly makes me think about what I've been reading from Ian, Ian McGilchrist and his master and his emissary about the split brain and how the right side of the brain can take in an entire image immediately. It doesn't break it up into parts. And it has like this instant understanding that may not be uh, entirely, it, it might not have the, the details fleshed out, but it's still a valid perspective of the world and that maybe that's what intuition is yeah that's really interesting i i think it, yeah it's really interesting to, to ask whether neural networks have intuition because in a sense i mean the thing a lot of people have been talking about for the past 10 years is we have no idea how neural networks work right yeah which on the one hand that kind of sounds like intuition right there's like no there's no explaining it i mean that I, that might just be a limit of our our human understanding but mm. on the other side what you're saying about the right brain is really interesting because breaking things up into little chunks is exactly what neural networks do, right? If you're thinking about like image recognition, it's uh, yeah. like like maybe we can post a, a link to this uh, series of three blue one brown videos about neural networks. But uh, if you if you're talking about digit recognition, like handwritten handwritten digit recognition, it's it's literally there's you know a part of the little in the neural network that's looking for like a loop, and then a part in the neural network that's looking for like you know a line. And it kind of puts all those pieces together to get the, get the, the number at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a, that's a really kind of chilling question. Is like, if you have, if you have the analytical breaking it down kind of approach, if you do that fast enough and thoroughly enough, can it achieve the same results as intuition? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends depends what you mean by analytical, because I, I don't know if we actually know what that means, you know? Yeah, like, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's possible that your your right brain is doing analytical processes, whatever that is, but it's doing them f- fast enough and out of the sight of consciousness that it seems in- instantaneous, right? But yeah. it must take it must take some some time. It's not completely instantaneous. Yeah, and so yeah, is, is it like? Is the artificial intelligence actually spontaneously perceiving the world and having an experience of it, and that's where its intuition came from? Or 
is it just hashing things out? Is it really just a really refined predictive algorithm? And I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, I remember from the documentary when they interviewed Lee Sedol, he says, you know, when that Move 37 was made, that's when he stopped thinking of it as an analytical uh, just machine and started thinking of it as something that can genuinely be creative yeah yeah i mean i think i think we have to be careful with talking about it having like an experience or something right (laughs) this is kind of loaded (laughs) loaded terms (laughs) i mean i I think it can be loaded if you if you choose to interpret it that way but i mean i think i think on a certain level there is a meaningful it is meaningful to speak about anything having an experience here we go <laughs> oh fuck you <laughs> no no no, no, no. So this is good it's you know here, here we go uh, <laughs> <laughs> i guess what i'm really trying to say <laughs> do you, do you want to do the honors <laughs> can i just say the answer is no <laughs> No, you can't. Actually, um, <laughs> the answer is, if panpsychism is true, yes. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure if you talk to any of the people who programmed AlphaGo, they would say no. But the the, the program does not have any an experience. But but who who knows really? I I'd be curious. I'd love to. I'd love to hear their thoughts on that. I mean, I know that it's not a general intelligence. But at a certain point, we might start to realize that there is no clear distinction between general intelligence and specific intelligence, narrow intelligence. Yeah, I mean, if you combined enough narrow intelligences, you would get a general intelligence, right? From what I understand, I mean... Well, that that's the question, though. Is, is the general intelligence just... Uh, constructed is is it and is it more than the sum of its parts i guess is the question yeah well it's it's kind of related to the question of whether humans are even generally intelligent exactly right? because because yeah. what what is it actually what does it actually mean to be generally intelligent like we're mm-hmm. humans are intelligent and pretty flexibly intelligent in like a wide range of of scenarios but not every scenario right yeah so i totally I, if, it's kind of like a stake in the sand right it's, it's a, an arbitrary point to measure against right right and it seems so so absolute and kind of obvious right that Yes, we are generally intelligent because we can do these things, but it, it is kind of arbitrary because it's, it's just where evolution got us. Yeah. I do I do wonder if I mean this kind of gets to the difference between consciousness and having the a sense of self, but a program that is focused on winning and has a sense of I won or I lost, I feel like that it's possible that would start to create some sort of self referential mm. uh pattern. I don't know, but but Yeah, to have an understanding of who was who was the eye that won? Yeah. <laughs> if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.
Yeah. Well, I think I think so. This is I think this is actually going to talk about because there's a uh, there's a there's obviously a very big difference between winning a formalized game like Go or chess and being a a effective generally intelligent agent in the real world, right? Because as complicated as Go is, it's still just a nineteen by nineteen board, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the 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 possibilities are are of a ridiculous number, but it's even it's nowhere even close to the the number of possibilities that exist in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I, and, and again, and from from my perspective as someone who grew up with you know being comfortable with the idea of artificial intelligence uh, of the things that can accomplish it, it seems to me that's just like another another step for it to take you know yeah yeah i want to touch back on something you said a minute ago about how being an entity where you have this sense of like i won or i lost and i want to flip that on its head and kind of look at these professional game players these professional you know you know they the 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 go world-class champions you know they describe themselves as artists and i think a a lot of people in the field uh, do as well and in the culture uh, where that game is common. And it seems to me that these people, you know, it, it seems really clear from their their interviews and how like seriously they take this that to win or to lose is a huge part of their self-identity. You know, it, it's like who they are. I am the person who wins a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, who can play a beautiful game and win. Um, and I wonder if part of that has to do with why Lisa Dahl lost the first three games, but won the fourth. Huh. What do you mean by that? Because I think that in order for him to accept that this computer program was a worthy opponent, he had to go through not only losing a game, not losing two in a row, but losing the whole match. He had to know that he had been defeated. At that point, he stops He stops trying to win the match. You know, before that, he is in part all about I am going to win this match Mm -hmm. after the three losses he has lost the match Mm -hmm. and so he is able to stop and say well what so this this fourth game I'm not I'm not playing to win the match so so instead that means he's playing to play you know he's playing Mm -hmm. to play a beautiful game he's willing he's now uh willing to learn from his opponent yeah, that is really interesting. Because Alpha AlphaGo can't get in its own head, it can't get nervous, it can't maybe it can do things that are like second guessing itself, right? But it can't mm-hmm. like there's not all the emotion going on that would be going on in a human player's mind. Yeah. There's not all there's not the the soft out and all that stuff. Yeah. That was yeah, that was one thing they talked about how uh, how isolating it can be to be, play against a not and not a person, you know. Right, because you can't read their facial expressions. That you can't, you can't kind of get a sense of how they're feeling about how they're doing. Mm. It's yeah, it's just totally opaque. 
Yeah, you have this uh, sort of snowballing effect that leads to self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really uh, be- beautiful and heartbreaking. What the the um, the first player to to play AlphaGo, uh, Fan Hui, who's the the European champion. Uh, what he said when when uh, AlphaGo beat him five five to nothing in their in their first uh, round of matches. Mm. He said, "I lose to this program, and I don't understand myself anymore." And I was just like, "Dang!" I I I I I mean. I imagine I imagine that's the, the the place a lot of musicians will be when we have AI created music that is that is good. Yeah, good and and <laughs> indistinguishable from human created music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I think I think a lot of people watching these matches were having the same feeling of of you know, where where does this put us as humans? What 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 is our role? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it is literally it is humbling. Mm-hmm. It is uh you know, I think you know, like I said, he he, uh, Lisa Dahl had to lose the match. He had to lose three three games before he could be humbled enough to accept that he could learn from the machine, from this opponent, this un- unembodied opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's understandable why people would be skeptical that a program could beat anyone because it's 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 unprecedented, right? Or it was unprecedented, and and so many even AI experts were were saying that this would never never even be possible mm-hmm. for for a Go program to be this good. Yeah, but they've never they've never been right about that yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then uh, move seventy eight, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that wasn't the, the the fourth game that Lisa all won, right? Yeah, that I I I was really blown away by that as as present. I mean, obviously, I have no idea about the actual game. I'm <laughs> trust trusting what they said about it, but as they presented it in the documentary, yeah, that 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 was kind of moving to me actually. That you know, after having reached this point of abject humility, you know, oh did you did you like catch the part where he where he's addressing the crowd after the third game which which part i don't don't remember oh it it was heart-wrenching he was like he's up in front of the crowd and he's like i i feel so i'm so sorry to everyone for being so powerless I've never felt so weak before. Oh, I just yeah. feel really bad about all the people who have supported me mm-hmm. and I'll try to do better. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty crushing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that he could go through that moment of humility and then come up with move 78 that he learned uh, his his understanding of go, you know, he's quoted in saying his understanding of go from that moment just like completely uh, was expanded and revolutionized, and he was, you know, basically right away able to learn from that, and uh, you know, like they said, move thirty seven begat move seventy eight. Right, right. I think they said it had a similar probability of of any human playing it. Right, it was like something like one in ten thousand, which I think is yeah, I think it, is really poetic. Yeah. That like in in yeah. multiple cases, that was what won the game. Is is that really you know rare, rare move? 
Yeah, one in 10,000 first from the AI and then the human coming right back with a one in 10,000 move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the stuff uh, movies are made out of. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about was going back to this experience that Fan Hui talks about when he's uh, talking about Lisa Dahl's experience playing against the machine and how isolating that can be, um, how you you know you don't have the feedback from your opponent, from your uh, the person that you are playing with. It's you know it's a communication, it's an exchange, and to be without that, you know, yes, you can get thrown into uh, cycles of self doubt, but I think there's a deeper a deeper meaning here as well. Fun um, Hui talks about how, you know, doing something like that is like looking into a mirror. It's like playing yourself and, you know, it, it really makes you ask the question, who am I? Wow. Yeah, because you're, you're kind of be, being exposed to, to pure intelligence, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. The uh, most concentrated form of, of what you are trying to do and what you have uh made your life all about mm -hmm. i don't know I, I i feel like this sort of facing emptiness right it's like where you're expecting a person and there's nothing you're just playing against emptiness you're playing against space and to me that feels actually like it's really evocative of some of the same questions that arise when you go on a journey of radical self-inquiry. Yeah, could you say more about that? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, uh, we've talked about, like, the, in our motivation and addiction episode, you know, that kind of urge just to, like, get the next distraction, uh, keep, keep your eyes glued to the phones, uh, keep, keep the constant barrage of information and uh noise and uh you know whatever whatever it is you know if it's your media consumption or if it's a particular sensation given to you by drugs or if it's just like talking you know or listening to loud music constantly you know all of these sensations um to obscure and hide yourself from the fact of emptiness from the silence that is there when all of that stuff stops and to sit with the silence to embrace it to look into it the silence the darkness the emptiness it's it takes guts it takes serious serious gumption right it's it's like the most terrifying thing you can do wow that was beautiful <laughs> thanks <laughs> um yeah no it's it's true but most most people these days myself included are, are pretty uncomfortable with with silence mm -hmm. and and i think i think i wonder if if part of the similarity is is you know because you can't have that that dialogue or even if it's you know body language dialogue with another person then you inevitably turn inward more in the same way mm. that you kind of turn inward in silence 
Yes. And and that that can produce kind of the same uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's terrifying. And at the same time, it can be one of the most rewarding things you could ever do. Yeah, yeah. And and if you if you learn how to like you were saying embrace it and 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 not so much go in, inside your own head but just just completely try to try to dissolve the boundaries with with the rest of the world and and just just perceive you know yes absolutely and uh when you when when you do that you know it's possible to have the experience of looking into the darkness and seeing something looking back at you and that thing is is you mm-hmm. you know and that, to me, that seems like exactly like what Fan Hui was talking about, like what it's like to come up against this implacable wall of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what the because this was such a such a huge milestone. Like they they talk about it as being like the holy grail of AI. I mean, I guess the I guess the next one is kind of self driving cars. I mean, it feels like the 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 next mm-hmm. thing that people aren't sure if we can actually do it. Or not sure if we can actually do it without inventing AGI, which I think is I think is possible. But um, yeah, well, they'll be eating their words in five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like uh, one of the programmers said in the documentary, AlphaGo is not general intelligence. It is very very a far cry from that. But you know, as as we're starting to talk about maybe the distinction between general intelligence and narrow intelligence is somewhat more arbitrary is not a it's not a clear distinction at all i Um, i i mean my my understanding of this is is pretty limited but i think it it i think there's more of a of a distinction than you're than you're making i think it is i mean you can I, I think the only well, <laughs> I think it's more likely we're going to get to AGI by creating actual theories of general intelligence rather than just through neural networks. I mean, this, this this is a big a big debate, but I think I think when we when we get there, it'll be through consciously like intentionally trying to create AGI and and developing theories of artificial general general intelligence, not just getting you know making narrow intelligence is better and better i think i think it's going to be a wholly different approach sure i mean i'm definitely open to that idea i just mean that humanity as we've described it is as, as we understand it is we we've always thought of it as a general intelligence but in the grand scheme of things it's very specialized to do a set of things and you know it is adaptable and can learn new things within a certain context and we perceive that context as being broad but uh in the scope of things i mean i think there is places that humanity human intelligence can never touch and in that sense it is partially indistinct from say AlphaGo, which there are uh you know, it's capable of creativity. It's capable of creating new things and uh, perhaps intuition. Or, you know, uh, th- coming up with things not just from probabilistic predictions, 
and yeah I, I think i think you have a point i think that that i think you could say that you know there's there's narrow intelligences that can do things like you know, like play play go or or solve protein folding problems and then there's human human level intelligence that i think is is qualitatively different than those narrow intelligences and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that human intelligence is general intelligence but I, I think there's there's like again narrow intelligence like AlphaGo, and then there's human level intelligence that's qualitatively different and then there's some other thing that would be actual general intelligence that could do or understand anything i don't even know if that's possible you know but but i i do think there is a there's not there's not just two categories right i think i think there's i think there's narrow intelligence and then there's human level intelligence which is uh sure it's like it's like narrow compared to some things but it's still it's really adaptable right you can Mm -hmm uh through you know reading you can understand just a ridiculously a ridiculous number of things and learn how to do a ridiculous number of things right yeah i mean i guess yeah i'm not trying to say that uh there aren't differences between what we do as humans and what AlphaGo does but just that if we are not true general intelligence then maybe we have more in common with AlphaGo than we do with that. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, but again, 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 life life is not as as simple as a game of Go, as complicated as a game of Go is. Right? There's no, there's not even an objective that you could reasonably point to. Yeah, it's uh, a question that remains to be answered. <laughs> <laughs>